Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. My guest is an artisan in cheese making. Her background in small business, entrepreneurship, and human resources has equipped her to manage Blue Jacket Dairy in Ohio. She's also the current president of the Ohio Cheese Guild. She works with member cheesemakers and retailers to promote Ohio's cheese all over the state. Let's welcome this busy lady to our show, Angel King. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Angel. I, I really thank you for coming on your lot and parcel show. I, I, uh, I want to tell you, I do love cheese. And before we get into our topic, though, please tell us your story, Angel, and how you became an artisan cheesemaker, if you would. Well, it's been a fascinating journey. Mm-hmm. And first part of that journey, I actually credit to my grandfather. When oh. we would get together with family events, he would always bring the most amazing charcuterie boards, but we didn't call them those fancy things like we see now, but he always mm. brought really amazing cheeses that some smelled absolutely terrible, mm-hmm. but they tasted delicious. <laughs> and, and I, and I appreciate that because my grandfather helped me realize that cheese is not that typical yellow block that you see in the grocery store. Mm. And heaven forbid, it's not that square plastic thing that sometimes people put on sandwiches. Uh-huh. So my grandfather really gets the uh, credit for, piquing my interest, but it didn't really blossom into cheese making until I married my husband, mm-hmm. who was a dairy farmer. Mm-hmm. And that meant that we had the natural commodity of milk at our fingertips. Oh. So as a result, you know, he could bring home a couple gallons of milk and I could tinker with it in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I found a book that I absolutely loved and it was uh, Ricky Carroll's book, um, Home Cheese Making. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about that was that it scaled recipes so that anybody can make cheese in the home. And in a short period of time, you could serve it for dinner. Mm. And so I opened the book one day and saw the recipe for ricotta. And I'm, I love ricotta. I just can't mm. get enough of it. And ricotta is probably one of those very simple cheeses that it doesn't take a lot to do, uh-huh. but uh-huh. it has a lot of power because it's so fresh. So uh-huh. I opened the book, followed the directions. And the next thing I knew, I had luscious ricotta so i thought well this is good i'm going to turn the i'm going to turn the page so another day my husband brought some milk home a couple gallons turned to the page and made some fresh mozzarella Mm. and absolutely fell in love with fresh mozzarella it's just so so good (laughs) so by then i'm starting to get a little confident i'm like okay i know what i'm doing Let's try another section of the book, and that's aged cheese. Mm-hmm. Now, I need to tell you this, that my husband's cousin one time heard that I was tinkering, and he brought over a cheese press that had been in the family for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? We've got a cheese press. I've got some recipes in this amazing book. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. So, and, and obviously, the steps to make that were a little more complex, but I had the confidence to try it. Followed all the steps, formed in this really great shape of a round, and it looked perfect. And cheese needs to age for a mm-hmm. period of time, so we put it away, and the day came that we could actually open it. And you can't imagine how excited we were, because we're like, wow, this is mm-hmm. it. We're going to have cheese. 
Mm-hmm. So we opened it up, cut it, took a slice, and it was hideous. It was awful. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, right. no, I followed all the directions. Why did it not work? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I learned from that experience several things. One yeah. is cheese making is art and science. So uh-huh. it's not enough just to follow the directions, but there are some artistic things to it. Uh-huh. And the second thing is, is we should never be deterred from failure. Because actually failure, if you respond properly, can launch you into some new opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so it, it took me a little while to get over my personal pride of failure in that, in, in that recipe. But I will say, 15 years later, we've been making cheese and loving every minute of it. So my mm-hmm. challenge to anybody that's hearing this and like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah. Look up Ricky Carroll's book. It is just a real gem. How do you like that? When you, when you speak of aged cheese, uh, what's the time frame on that? Well, aging is a process that depends on the type of cheese. Uh, so, for example, today we're making actually fresh cheese curds that start at 8 o'clock this morning. Yeah. And most of them will be left as fresh cheese curds that are cheddar chunks of cheese you can bite into and eat. Yeah. But then we will set aside some that we're going to age and press into probably 30-pound wheels. Oh. And those wheels are going to go into our aging facility and age probably anywhere between two and four months. Is that right? So. So wow. for people who love mm-hmm. older cheese, they love it because the depth of the flavor comes from the time that it's actually been aged. Mm. So um, that's why it's an important component. Now, to age cheese, you have to have the right temperature and you've got to have the right humidity. So we're, we're, we're having a humidity around, you know, 85% and the temperature close to 55 degrees year-round. Mm-hmm. Very good. And you have a... a- What's the name of your store, incidentally? Oh, it's Blue Jacket Dairy, and uh-huh. I am a history buff. And so a lot of the things that we've done for our business is to really incorporate our love for history in this area. And we have uh-huh. a creek that runs through our property. Yes. It's called Blue Jacket, and uh-huh. therefore that is why we called our business Blue Jacket Dairy. Mm-hmm. Ironically, a lot of the names that we've selected for our cheeses draw some inspiration from the historical pieces that are in our area as well. Mm. Well, that's interesting. That's a, that's a good theme, a, a very good theme. In fact, uh, out this way, kind of reminds me, there's a lot of wineries out this way, uh, Angel, and they all have a theme, you know. Uh, um, <laughs> it's rather interesting. But, uh, no, I, I love that uh, that twist to that. Uh, let me ask you, you, talk, you speak about milk, Uh does it matter what kind of a breed of cow you 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 have for making milk? I mean, there's a range of milking cows that are mm-hmm. really good fit for making cheese. Yeah. We have we typically use Holstein milk just because Holstein. that's okay. really worked very well with the cheeses that we make. But mm-hmm. there's a variety that you can choose from. Mm-hmm. We also do make milk. Uh, I'm sorry, we make cheese from goat's milk. Oh. It's absolutely delicious. Okay. And my favorite was many years ago, we had access to sheep's milk. Mm. I loved the cheese that we made from that. But sadly, the farmer moved away, and therefore we no longer had the access to the sheep's milk. Yeah, interesting. As I was telling you before uh, we got online here, my mother would make uh, cheese. And, uh, uh, yeah, we had a whole stain. I mean, that's a lot of milk, you know, between five and six gallons a day. And uh, we also had Jersey Jersey cow that uh, Guernsey mm-hmm. as well, uh, mm-hmm. and she also made goat uh, goats uh, cheese as well. We had some Nubian goats, 
And uh, boy, I tell you, she was really handy. And, and like I mentioned, I, I never did pay attention how she went about it, but I just enjoyed it. <laughs> enjoyed eating it, you know. But, well, uh, I think I just gave you the hit, the hint. You just need to go get this book, and you can start to be making I think so. I think so. My goodness, Angel. My gosh. Uh, so, um, how long? Um, let me see. I was going to ask you there. Here, how much time does it take? You mentioned four months to have it aged, but uh, other than that, other than aging, how long does it take, uh, really? To, well, to a tip. Good question. A typical day for us, as like today is one of those days, we started yeah. uh, production at eight o'clock in the morning. And by the time 7 8 o'clock comes around, we will have completed our cheese making, everything will be packaged, and everything will be cleaned up and the lights out. So mm -hmm. in less than 12 hours, we have some yummy cheese that's ready to be enjoyed today. But we also then, as I mentioned, also do age out some of those cheeses much longer. And that just really requires us to, as I describe it, babysit them until they're ready. Mm -hmm. Now you talk about pressed or age, uh, aged cheese. Uh, that obviously takes a little longer. I, I have read that maybe, I don't know, maybe I misunderstood, but sometimes up to two years you can age cheese. Is that correct? It is. And then I've heard reports of five years and 10 years, but you better Good. be prepared to get your pocketbook out because yeah. it's going to be really expensive because that's a lot of babysitting. Yeah, I guess so. My gosh. Well, there's some chemistry, apparently. There's things that go uh, into making cheese, uh, enzymes, and there's uh, um, organisms. Uh, what, what, what does uh, rennet mean? What is what is rennet? Rennet is such a fascinating ingredient. It naturally occurs in the fourth stomach of uh, a calf, but mm -hmm. there are also now more modern um, comparable ingredients to do the same thing. And that's what we use. We use a vegetarian based rennet. And I describe that as a very powerful liquid that you put into milk mm -hmm. that takes milk from its fluid state to more like the consistency of jello in about a half hour time. And it's just phenomenal to watch how quickly this coagulation happens. And again, mm -hmm. it's just change it from fluid to a little more like jello and it'll jiggle. And mm -hmm. at that point, when it's, it's set, we draw our knives, which are wire knives through it to actually start the process of expelling the whey from the cheese. And that's a really important part of the production but let's back up one one step before that sure before you can actually put the rennet in it's really important to develop the flavor and the cultures are done mm -hmm. at that stage these are friendly bacteria these are things that are known to create different lactic acid and different notes and flavors so when we talk about the cheese curds that we're making today they have a real buttery note to them Mm. And so they, we use some cultures that are known to make that flavor more dominant. So those are two very important ingredients that you need to make cheese. Mm -hmm. now, I've heard terms of, um, uh, I guess these are, uh, these are organisms, uh, mesophilic organisms and thermophilic organisms. Is that correct? It is. It's just a way of kind of defining and putting them into different types of buckets uh -huh. Some of them are like medium temperature. Some of them like to be on the warmer side of things. Okay. Most cheese making happens somewhere in the 95 to maybe 105 degree temperature, depending on the type of cheese that you're making. 
Wow. So there's plenty of chemistry that's going on, I'll tell you. Um, you are listening to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Please tell a friend and support the educational program by leaving us a rating or review. We thank you in advance. We are spending time with an artisan cheese manufacturer. More importantly, however, she says she has figured out how to thrive and work well together with her husband in business. She's an award-winning speaker, and she says that life is full and wonderful. And to learn more about her and her cheese recipes, you will find the link in the show notes. Let's get back with Angel King. Uh, what kinds of cheeses do you make there commercially, if, if, if I may ask? Yes, we make the fresh cheese curds, which are basically an unaged cheddar cheese okay. that is meant to be eaten within a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Those are also the same cheese that we put together in, in the 30-pound wheels, and we age them out, and that becomes our Hulls Trace, which is our cheddar-style cheese. We mm-hmm. also do some alpine-style cheeses. Mm-hmm. Um, still those probably go anywhere from four to eight months in time. When we come to look at our goat's milk, we are making chev, which is the spreadable goat cheese. And then also feta, which we just, mm-hmm. we have a hard time keeping it stocked because it's just super popular. Oh, we have nice. a wonderful uh, pizzeria in town that makes the most amazing pizzas and they utilize um, our feta on a couple of those. So we love having the relationship with chefs who are doing some really cool things with local food. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you speak of goat cheese, uh, like a spread on. Uh, my wife occasionally gets the goat cheese from Trader Joe's, and uh, they add a little little sweetness to it. And uh, yeah, it is a really good, uh, really good stuff. I'm telling you. Uh, let me ask. Uh, I know you cover that area, but do you go uh, beyond your particular area in? Providing cheese, Angel? You mean our, our neighborhood? Oh, yeah. absolutely. A, a lot of our cheese uh, goes to some of the larger cities in our state. Ah, okay. So Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Uh-huh. Um, it's just really fascinating to see um, what chefs are doing with it in some of the local food restaurants. Yes. We have a very strong presence at some of the farmers markets in the communities. So we get to have some really great interaction with our customers in a variety of settings. Mm -hmm. Do you have an online store? We do. We ship just inside the state of Ohio. Just to the Ohio. Okay. I guess you get into other, uh, other, uh, I don't know what you need permits or I don't know what you need to to go beyond the border there, but uh, of Ohio. Oh, we could, we could ship, but unfortunately, it's a perishable product. It needs it to is. be shipped in a way that it gets to you and nice, um, cold. And that's just hard to do in some of the shipping options that are out there that is uh, um, affordable. Very good. Because I know I do got uh, plenty of listeners there in Ohio. And uh, they will be listening to you. This may be a dumb question. <laughs> but uh, how does the orange cheese uh, get that way? Why is it orange? It is orange because there's a natural ingredient called aneto. Mm. It is grown in Central and South America, and it doesn't provide any taste or flavor. It's Mm -hmm. purely just a natural coloring agent. 
Oh. We elected not to do that because we really want cheese to be in its more natural state. So our cheeses are going to have that strong white look to them. Or as they get older, they might have just a hint of a beige. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just personal preference. I had to laugh because one time I had a customer come in and tell me that he was allergic to white cheese, but he could eat <laughs> yellow cheese. And I'm like, what? wow, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So everybody has a way that they like to have their cheese, and you, if you want yellow, just mm. it's it's a it's an option. It is. Yes, very good. I know the in Latin America they have that um, queso blanco, right? White cheese. Yes. Yes. And uh, I like that. Not in everything, you know, but uh, I like that. Uh, you pinch off uh, some of that, and you know, fresh, and it's uh, I like that. Um, what's your favorite? If I may ask. Of our cheese? Yeah. Oh, well, it's hard to narrow it down. So after <laughs> we're done here, I'm probably going to run out there and get a container of the fresh cheese curds with horseradish on them. Oh, I wow. love the combination of those two things. Those are my favorite. But if I'm in the mood for some crackers and some cheese, I'm probably yeah. going to pull our Alpine style cheese, which is called Ludlow. Yeah. Um, I just like the depth of flavor in it. Mm-hmm. I have to laugh because... A lot of people ask if we would make blue cheese, and mm. I have to explain to them I have a problem. While I love blue cheese, my husband does not. Mm. And until I can convince him that it's really a good cheese, we're kind of stuck. Mm. So maybe someday we'll make some progress there and we'll make blue cheese. Yeah, my, my wife loves blue cheese, but I'm on the same side of the table with your, your husband. I, I don't care for blue cheese. <laughs> So him and I will get along pretty good, you know. I like pepper, uh, Jack. Uh, I like that. Uh, oh, uh, uh, of course, there's Gouda, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from, from the Netherlands. Um, I like that. But I, I do love cheese. And uh, um, let me ask you this. I mean, yeah, you, you do you live in a dairy, uh, on a dairy? Do you live in a dairy? Or? We no longer have our cows. Oh, okay. Uh, we, so after 30 years of milking, my husband decided that it just was a challenge for us to make cheese, milk mm-hmm. cows, mm-hmm. grain farm, and have a life. Mm. And so, therefore, we elected to sell our cows and really focus on the things that we um, think are a good use of our time. And thankfully, we have wonderful relationship with local dairy farmers who supply us with the milk. And they are just tickled pink to have a place where someone can buy it locally from them. Yeah. Very good. So how do you find out whether they'll sell you a mail? Because they, they are in the business commercially, you know, but for me to come by and as an individual, okay, I mean, uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? Just like ask, I guess, right? Or how do you do that? Milk is a regulated item, so you can't just buy milk from a dairy farmer ah, unless okay. you have an established relationship with them. So as a manufacturer, we ah. are able to buy it from them. Gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense. My next question was going to be, do I really need a goat or a cow in the backyard? But apparently we don't, do we? So You don't. All no. you need to do is go to your local grocery store, get some great milk, the recipes in the book I mentioned to you, and you are off and running. Yeah. What kind of milk? I mean, uh, anymore, they're really um, diluted milk and some, with some, you uh, know, what, what kind of milk? Good question. I would probably stay away from the low fat because you need yes. that fat in there to really help with the flavor. So you want it as high as the fat content that you can get. Absolutely. And, and what's really been neat in some of the specialty grocery stores, you're starting to see some 
milk companies selling the milk with the cream that rises to the top because it's not been homogenized. Mm-hmm. And that will just yield just some beautiful cheeses. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. My gosh, I'm starting to salivate here, uh, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Um, I know it's a family uh, business, correct? Uh, any tips in how we can collaborate? Because, well, there's you know, some families, you know how it is with siblings and and the, and the spouse and so forth. Any tips? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I have learned a lot over the years. We've had Blue Jacket Dairy now for 15 years. Uh-huh. And I think I described two things that have been super helpful for us. Okay. One is extending grace to one another yeah. because yeah. we might look at a situation differently and I don't have to always be right and he doesn't have to always be right and there are places to find some common ground. But I think the second thing that's been the most helpful is I like to describe it as mm-hmm. operating in silos, meaning mm-hmm. I have a skill set of things that I'm really gifted at. And my mm-hmm. husband has another set that he is gifted at. Mm-hmm. And it's best that we each divide the responsibilities into the silos that fit for each other. And then I try not to get overly um, involved, meaning opinionated about the things that are really his responsibility and Mm -hmm. vice versa and that seems to help minimize minimize a lot of the friction but i think the third thing this is a bonus item Uh we go out on date nights it's pretty much if this is a date night where we're going to go have a good time we're not going to talk business but if it's a time where we're going to go out and talk about business then we know that right up front but having time to really carve out and be um, growing our relationship with one another is super important. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that philosophy. Uh, you know, each one of you have your own uh, responsibility, you know, your own role, you carry it through, and uh, and uh, you don't encroach on each other's uh, uh, responsibility. Well, that's, that's great. You do it, and, and it works. It's a, it's a, it's a, a well, uh, uh, world machine, you know, when you do that. Uh, anything different you would have done when you started your business? That was such a great question. You know, in 15 years' time, social media is totally oh. different than it was 15 oh, years ago. Absolutely. And I realized there are so many fascinating tools as a business owner that I wish we had back then. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, it's so much easier to really engage with social media and and plan ahead and and make some beautiful graphics and upload some lovely photos and things like that. I wish we had had those back then, mm. but unfortunately we didn't, but that mm. means we utilize them to the, to the max now. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. And of course that uh, tells you where, uh, you know, the, the history of uh, where you've been and, and uh, along the way. So that's, that's wonderful. Uh, right. Angel. Um, how can my audience contact you for more information on your website? If I was to visit your website, what, what, what will I find there, Angel? Well, you're going to find information about us and mm-hmm. our cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very active, as I mentioned, on social media. So you're going to okay. see a lot of us on Facebook. So just Google for or Facebook for Blue Jacket Dairy or even on Instagram or Twitter. We just love to interact with people who are passionate about cheese, passionate about local food. And yeah. it's a pretty exciting adventure. Absolutely. Any recipes on there? I do have some recipes. Since hey, uh, wow. cheese curds are known to be 
used as deep fried cheese curds. I have several recipes on there on how to do that in your home. Mm -hmm. And um, also a couple of uh, key recipes that we're known for just as a family. We have a delicious potato soup with dill cheese curds. My gosh. <laughs> that sounds great to me. What's the I'm website? I'm making you hungry. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what's, what's the website, if you will? It is bluejacketdairy.com. There you go. Very good. Well, that was informative for what you had to say. Very informative. I, it does bring back memories with my mom and all that, you know. And uh, well, that's wonderful, you know, that especially it, it, that it is a family business and everybody's collaborating. That's wonderful. Thank you it for is. coming on uh, my show, my angel. And I, I want to, well, I want to really sincerely that you have uh, the best uh, continued success. All right. Well, thank you. And I'm glad I could share what we're doing over here in the highest point of Ohio. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.